Welcome back, guys, to the 4043 Podcast. It's another late night with Matt and Reese. Reese, kick us off. What are we starting with? Long day today, Matt. Uh, we oh, both yeah. had our fair share of problems. Um, IT is our curse, sir. Yes, sir. But what brings us together is football and football we shall cover. Uh, football is life. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so, quick note before we jump into the game. Manchester United haven't lost on Boxing Day at Old Trafford since 1978. Oh, it's older than me. The streak continues as they come back 2-0 down to defeat Austin Villa 3-2. Matt, what were your thoughts on the game, man? It was a good game. Honestly, I, I saw two things. I saw Hoyland have his moment, which he you could tell the young man desperately needed. And two, we kind of saw the Emery that, I, that Arsenal fans didn't like. Yeah. He shrunk. He fell into his shell after he got his lead. He had no answers. For when United shifted McTominay, right? Isn't that because these are the games, guys, that we had to watch while at work? Yep. This one I was watching. I thought what happened was is McTominay opened up the space, allowing them to not fall into the offside trap. That's what I thought I saw. I was going to bounce this off of you when we started. Yeah. Now, when to kind of ask you the question as well is, do you think Emery waited too long to d- divert from his high line uh, when they had the lead originally? Do you think they should have changed that, or do you think he? He should have stuck to his guns, and instead of trying to uh, continue to play the high line at the same pace that they did, bring on substitutions like a like a Diaby or you know somebody else to actually give them some sort of so, to kill the game off. I should yeah. say. Yeah. So to me, it's it, it, I'm not I'm not a coach, but to me, I, when I know they have a weapon like McTominay on their team that he wasn't playing in the first half, they brought him on the second half, right? Yep. Thank you. Um, sorry, guys. It was kind of a blur of a game because it, it was back on during, Tuesday. Yeah, it was a back on Tuesday. It happened during my entire work day. Um, I would know that the automatic response to the high line would be to throw on McTominay, and I would have countered that counter. Yep. That that's and Emery didn't seem to do that, and then that gave Ganacho all the space he needed to open up at the first two goals. Now I'll get into why I see Ten Hag's vision in a little bit, but let's jump into the game itself. So, yes, sir, um, we get two minutes into the game. Automatically off rip. Um, There was plenty of chances available for Villa, but the goal did not come until the 21st minute where the Swiss Army knife of Johnny McGinn (laughs) off of a set piece uh, scored that first goal. Now, question to you, Matt. Is this an Onana error or an error on the back line of United? And I'll give my point after you go. I think he gave him too much space, and I think it was the back line who let Onana down. They left him to be the last line of defense when he should have been the third or second line of defense. Gosh, just like Ten Hag's bald head, I want to kiss your bald head, Matt, because I agree, man. I agree uh, because, like I said, I, uh, I was a former goalkeeper myself, and one of the hardest thing to defend, things to defend in football is a set piece uh, when everyone is crowded around you, um, especially when you don't know who's going to touch the ball as the ball is coming down. And mm-hmm. if no one's going to touch the ball, why should you? Because typically those balls are going to go way worldwide. Yeah. In this circumstance, nobody touches the ball, but Johnny McGinn, the Swiss Army Knight, buries it uh, with a bouncer into the goal. I saw a lot of people give flack to Onana, which I thought was very unfair. And I think he, Onana, like, as a goalie, I think that just like Arsenal had their goalie troubles, I'm thinking Onana is under the spotlight because he is getting left out to dry. And yep. do you think it's more... Because I don't think you go from being a goalkeeper in Champions League final to being a joke mm-hmm. in one season. He's been doing this for... for he's 28 now, which... It, he he kinda, does not look it, sir. I was going to say, he looks like... He looks like he's of, 23. I was going to say, he looks like a younger type of player, but 
He's done it at Ajax when they made it all the way to the semifinals with with De Jong and and Van de Beek, and he's and the done team it, that got carved up exactly. And he did it with every, uh, Inter Milan last season as well. So this this isn't new form. It's just an adjustment. Like I said previous episodes, goalkeepers are basically more reliant on their own confidence in themselves to really turn up, and that comes pretty much comes down to the rest of the team. So. Um, Do you think that yeah. it, with this new rebuild and new ownership that United's got, I I look at the player like Onana as one of the guys I'd build around. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at a team, do For you sure. think that they hopefully will see him that way and provide him the defenders that fit his style? They have to. Because he's a ninja. <laughs> yeah, they have to just because of the fee they paid for him. It was a pretty high fee for a goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. They're a different set of budgeting, I would say. Um, but I, I, I agree, man. I'd say your core players are Hoigland. Onana, Garnacho, and um, maybe Kobe Mainu, who had a great game again uh, for United. So let's let's jump into the second goal. Okay. So never in my life, two things. Never in my life, one that I would see Longley assist Den Donker for a goal. Why might you ask this? Why you know why? Because one, Longley is not a good center back. Uh, just point blank period. He was okay at Barcelona. Went on loan to Spurs last season. Was horrible. He is now here as more of like an option for Emery because I, he's deaf. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And Pau Torres had some injuries issues as well. He, he was on the bench, but he didn't actually come into the game. And Den Donker ends up starting over uh, Tielemans, who was injured. Uh, Kamara had the injury or the suspension from choking another man uh, in that crazy game against Sheffield. Um, so yeah, never in my life did I see these two having a combination of goals and. And that's what made me think up into the half that, to me, I don't remember Garnacho's first goal. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing the replay, and I remember seeing that McTominay started ripping them apart. And I'm just thinking, like, why didn't you knew this would happen? Like, maybe it's just because I've watched Arsenal and Pep and Klopp, and mm-hmm. I know that they would have, like, done it. I just couldn't believe that what gave me that United or sorry Villa was really going to trash them was that kind of play because you're just yeah. like I had to look up the man I had to look up who Don Dark is Don Donker yeah. Don Donker he was he was a former Wolves player was really good for them uh, I didn't know who the man was exactly. I thought I thought it was like something made up <laughs> Higginbottom all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry yeah but in terms of like. Um, Emery, I think this is more on him. I think he should have closed up shop like mm-hmm. he did with you guys. Once you guys got the first goal, it was pretty much locked down. I just don't know why they did it. Exactly. There, I don't know why you didn't counter the counter. It, you, If you countered Ten Hogs only move off the bench besides – did Rashford start? Uh, Rashford did also start as well. Okay. So then, yeah, if you if your only move now is McTominay mm-hmm. off the bench, that's an easy counter. Yeah. Just lock it up. <laughs> now – we towards the end of the first half, you can kind of see United uh, start to creep back into their performance of, of playing good football. They were horrible for the first thirty-five minutes, I would say, but they had a, ga- uh, a little bit of opportunity. So we jump into the second half, and exactly what you're saying is they bring on McTominay. Um, what was it like the sixtieth, seventieth minute or so? Usually the McTominay yeah. range where he comes mm-hmm. on and scores like a hat trick so in two minutes. Everything started happening at fifty-nine minutes. I remember yep. I saw him on the field. With Garnacho, so he must have either come on at the half or 55. I gotcha. Because he starts quick. When he's on his game, I know you don't like Ronald McTominay, but he, when he yeah. does his McTominay things, 
He is good. <laughs> I will concede this with McDonald's and his Big Mac and fries. When he comes off the bench in the 70th minute on, he is a great player. I just have problems with him starting games. He is there. If, if they, I would keep him up on this rebuild because he is their Solskjaer. Yeah. I mean, he's also one of their top goal scorers, so why would you not keep one of your top goal yeah. scorers? Uh, but in terms of, of the second half, this is where I start to see Ten Hag's vision. So let me let me set the stage. Yeah, set the stage. I'm here. Lay it out for you guys. Because you told me it might be. You, you, I think you said there was a sixty percent chance it'd be a Ten Hag masterclass. I was that was going to be a good evening. Yeah. But you, you saw the future. But both of them are big game the managers. <laughs> so the thing is, is last season United played a double pivot with uh, Casemiro and Eriksson in their double pivot. They were one of the best defensive teams in the league, getting fourth or third. You know, they got third last year. Yeah, between them and mm-hmm. Newcastle is one of those guys. And no fourth, you're right. It was Newcastle. Gotcha. But they were one of the best defensive teams in the league last season, along with Newcastle and Arsenal. They then switched to a single pivot this season, and they are now one of the best transition teams in terms of counterattacking, fluid, fluidity in regards to just moving the ball up the pitch. Where they struggle is where when they are controlling possession, like Chelsea has been over the, the season. 10 seasons, if we're being honest. Uh, but in terms of that, I see the vision because if we let this team build and we let them get healthy, you have Mason Mount, who is, in my opinion, a, an actual good transition player, can play a good long ball, doesn't have the ability of Erickson in terms of his vision and passing and awareness. But, dude, if this team, if he gives, if he, if Ten Hag makes it to the other, to the net and to the beginning of next season, we're going to see a different United team like we have this season versus last. But I think that next season will be the finished product of United. So you already answered one of my stoppage time questions. I was going to ask you, how do you think Mount's going to fit into this team going forward? So I just have one left. So yeah. just so you know, I got you. I was going to ask you that because I, I, I thought about it. I was driving today mm-hmm. and I was like, huh, what happened? Because we we're talking about Gallagher. I was like, yeah. what happened to Mason Mount? He has been having an injury history. Yeah. Now it's this, this is what I'm saying. So it's going to be Maynou or Casemiro in that D- CDM role. And then he's going to have two weights with Bruno and Mason Mount okay. being the box-to-box midfielders. I see the vision. I, it, if it ends up working out, I think it's definitely a team that we should be worried about and next season. And they'd be season. the feeders to Garnacho and the feeder to Hoyland. Mm-hmm. And, and, man, if, if, Garnacho, if Garnacho keeps playing this way... Uh, I'll be. I'll what be. is in your vision? What is Anthony's role? Because I struggle. Like I see all the good moves, but I don't see how he fits in a team. So in the way that United have play have been playing, Anthony doesn't really fit into this type of system. Yeah, I think he needs to be more in a possession based team where he can create, which is what he's best at in terms of doing a spinning disc that he does in the corner yeah. flag. Because he's like the he's a traditional Brazilian, and Martinelli is kind of like his. His counterpart, his, his, his mirror image, yeah. because he's all hard work and, and speed. running out you, yeah, yeah. And, and Anthony's more of the Anthony support is winger, more like you know the support, like shifting the fancy moves. And I get why people like him. I just don't see how it fits into yeah. this team right now. But now you're saying that you have those two guys flooding the wings. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see that they can use him as an outlet when they move forward, and then Hoyland's left in the behind them. Yeah. I'll be honest, man. I, I think Ten Hag, with the players that he has available right now, I think he played his best team. Rashford on the left, which is where his provi- primary position is. And Garnacho, although it's not his primary position, he's probably their best winger right now for the team. He's been their most reliable. You kind of can't take him out of the lineup. And you have Hoijun up top, which uh, we get in. So really quickly, back back to the game itself. Real quick, one yeah, quick question. Yeah, so 
basically what you're saying is this is like Arteta before he was able to do that big buy-in of players where he's trying, he's stuck with one team trying to convert it to another team. The window that you guys bought in, bought Tomiyasu in. When Ramsdale, Tomiyasu, and, and White. Exactly. That was pretty much your guys' finished product at that time because that very next season you guys turned into title contenders last season. I think United are right now in that second phase, at least in my opinion of what Ten Hag is seeing, what I'm seeing from Ten Hag. But because he's so injured, he can't put out the team. He's having to make do with the pieces that don't fit exactly or use them in ways that don't work. Exactly. Okay. So um, just something to keep an eye on, man. I really, I was worried for United and their performances, but after watching this game and watching, um, which game did I watch over the weekend? Some other game. Whoever they played over the weekend... I see what he's trying to do. You opened up the brain here, man. I, I really appreciate your insight on that because I know I've been down on United. Yep. And it's nice to see somebody who's not a United fan explain it to me because United fans... It's bias. Um, yeah, they kind of... They, when they talk about what they... I just I don't see what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. You broke it down a way I could understand. And, and this really just comes down to can Ten Hag actually deliver the vision that he may see in this team? That's something we'll have to see. Yeah. So so uh, let's get on to the second Garnacho goal. It's 71 yeah. minutes. Man, again, going back to Garnacho being the, on the form that he's in right now, um, he I didn't think he could do it with both of his feet, but he's finished with both of his feet, and I didn't think he was... Um, is he left-footed or right-footed at this point? Because he scored the bike against Everton with his right foot. I thought he was right-footed. See? And then he scores the second goal with his yeah. left foot perfectly. And We'd have to look that up. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll check on no, He's a talented young man. I love that he's the only... Um, I, I spoke to him about my friends in Argentina about him. And they go, yeah, we see he's good, but we don't really like him because he's the only Argentinian that doesn't love Lionel Messi as much. Yeah, and that's the struggle. Well, he respects at, Lionel, but he doesn't think he he's the He grew up in the United him. Academy. I yeah. mean, it's hard to not yeah. support Ronaldo. Yeah. You know? I, I got it. I got yeah. you guys. But, um, yeah, he... If he continues this type of form, man, he, he really could be the player of the season for, for United, as he has been. So, um, something to keep an eye on. Now, we jump into probably the best, one of the, honestly, in my opinion, one of the best moments of the season. Uh, mm-hmm. In terms of seeing Hoyland score, uh, the build-up play, it was honestly a great goal for United. Matt, what were your thoughts on that Hoyland goal and, and, and his reaction? It was like watching somebody go through. Well, it wasn't like watching. It was watching somebody break something that had been made into to something that it really wasn't. Yep. Like he's. It's not like he hasn't scored. Mm-hmm. Some of his goals in the Champions League, I was just like chef's kiss. Yep. Um, there was the one against Copenhagen that almost got back in the game before they fell apart, mm-hmm. and it, you could tell that the narrative was bothering him. Yeah. As a younger man, he cares about what people think. And. After he hugged everybody, he turns around to the crowd and he says, this is why I'm here, and he's just going nuts. So, I mean, just a great story. Uh, I really hope he kicks on because um, he, he is he's one He's too of good not to kick on. Exactly. Like, I, I think they overpaid for him, and I say this a lot about United, but he should have been something you picked up for 30 to $50 million, not what they paid for him, yeah. because he is going to be that good if you surround him with good players in that system you described. Because we haven't seen him play in that team with everybody. It's basically, if I were to compare him to a player that's in a similar spot, it's Mudrik. Uh, Mudrik did not have a lot of games at Shakhtar Donetsk, but mm-hmm. you saw what he can do against Real Madrid in the Champions League group stage. You look at Hojlund last season and the minimal games that he had, their per 90 stats were insane, yeah. but he didn't have the game time. We'll talk about Mudrik. I wanted to get into <laughs> a little bit with you. Chelsea's yeah. coming up, but I get I get your comparison. And, and, and it's like... You're paying for the invest. It's almost like an investment. Yeah. It's a big risk. But if this, he base his ceiling is Holland in a sense, mm-hmm. and his floor is 
Andy Carroll, you know, for, if we're being honest. Solid, yeah. but mid-level yeah. type of striker. That's basically his floor. But um, but I'm, I'm yeah. worried of some of the prices these younger players are going for that exactly. you can't give them that opportunity to be an Andy Carroll at West Ham or was it Newcastle or was it both? Both. Yeah. You can't sell them because they're worth so much money on such high ways. You can only sell them to the Premier League, and mm-hmm. you don't want to give a weapon like that to somebody who's you're going to play in three weeks. I just wonder, like, how many goals he would have if he was bought for $30 million? Like, it, And I say this because there's so much pressure and expectation that's brought upon you with these fees. Like, mm-hmm. if you look at Chelsea, they spent $100 yeah. million, about 10 of their players, and none of them like, have paid out yet. They say that on your team about Enzo. They say that about Caicedo. They say that about Mudrik. Everybody, man. Um, did they, did in Konkuko for a high fee? Sixty million. Yeah. yeah, no, that's reasonable for him. Yeah, but it, but that's it's the in thing. the it's in the range. Yeah, I mean, you and me have been talking ranges, and I think that he's within that range. Yeah, for sure, and especially the season eight at Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it just comes down to expectation, and there's so much pressure that comes upon yourself where if you don't live up to that expectation, remember Pepe at Arsenal? He was Perfect. tagged with that seventy-two. He's our biggest transfer, and it was just like. You know, if you would have gotten Williford Zaha for that, I don't think it would have been as bad on Zaha, even if he had performed the exact same. Because yep. people know that Zaha can do it. Yeah. He's just not doing it for us. Exactly. Great great point, man. So uh, we, we, we kind of want to do a quick review on this one, guys, just because it is a Thursday night here. We want to make sure we have a, a decent episode for you guys with the other games as well. Uh, but credit to United. Villa, again, we're seeing cracks. Uh, they need to get healthy. They need to get their suspended guys back in the lineup because Gabba Jules made a good point about uh, Kamara in this lineup. He is a very good first phase uh, center defensive mid, and I mean that by when he gets the ball in, in, in the defensive half, he plays a perfect progressive pass about 90% of the time. So he, he'll be huge. He needs to get back in this lineup. So, uh, yeah, we'll just see them going forward. Into the first game of the Tuesday slate here, Matt. Uh, we have one of the upsets of the week. We have Newcastle United at home. At home. D- getting beaten by Nottingham Forest. No, no, getting beat by Chris Wood. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Uh, getting beat by Nottingham Forest to Chris Wood, 3-1. to one. Matt, what were your thoughts on the game, man? So I woke up. Or this game was on before I started, or when I was starting my job, and I forgot it was on. I watched the recap, and it was just like, where was this Newcastle when Arsenal went there? Where was this Newcastle when anyone's gone there? You know, what the, the fortress was just—it didn't like they showed a, a meme on Bleacher Bar of all the Grinches behind <laughs> the thing, and that's what it looked like. They—they they were on their sitting on their hands. They Chris Wood at forty-five plus one right before that half shut them up, and they never started again. Yeah, and. What's crazy is, is that when I thought Isaac scored that PK, I pretty much thought, you know, Newcastle are probably going to win this 2-3-0. Um, but everyone continues to make the excuse about their injuries and how tired they are. Wah, wah, wah. I'm tired of it, dude. It's, Everyone's got injuries. We'll look at Brentford. We'll look at this is Spurs. The, this is the Premier League, man. Look, look at Arsenal. Arsenal doesn't have any defenders left. It's They're playing with who they have and Kivior, and that's it. This narrative needs to stop with Newcastle mm. in particular, but... Um, in terms of the Liverpool's game, Liverpool's heavily injured. Can I say this yeah. about Chris Woodman? I've never seen this dude. The, the last two goals that he scored, where he pretty much turned um, Fabian Schar, literally put him on his ass, and then proceeded to dribble past uh, Dubrovka for the goal. He did that twice, and yeah, I, put them both in his pocket. This guy was a former Newcastle United player, so he didn't really want to celebrate. But I know in his head, he's like, "Man, I've never done that in my life before on a game." He literally turned into Lionel Messi for a good forty-five minutes. Like, I, 
him and Hoyland both had excessive moments of joy. Like the guy who scored. Well, I have to look him up when we get to the game. But so there was a lot of moments of joy. Like yeah. the, the former um, City player who scored against Everton for Everton against City yeah. before things mm-hmm. went bad. But it's just like there was just a weekend of joy, and you can tell like Mavropanos against Arsenal. He he hardly scores, and he was had it like the There's smile a, on his face. There was so much joy, even though there was also it's the holidays, man. You know, some people's expenses, but you know. Uh, but credit credit to Nottingham Forest. Uh, I'm telling you guys, keeping keep, keeping above Luton and the in the just outpacing that little the escaping horse. You guys keep sleeping on Nuno. He'll keep doing this. But uh, yeah, credit to Forest, uh, Newcastle. I'll be asking some questions when you guys start to get healthy. But yeah, let's jump into the next game here, guys. Matt texted me uh, earlier in the week. He's like, our two relegation teams are doing well, and we'll go on to the other relegation team next. But I texted him responding, this is no longer a relegation team. Bournemouth Cherries defeating Fulham 3-0. Matt, what was your you thoughts You are right. The game? It, what happened to Fulham? I know they're, they're injured, and they have suspensions like every team in the league. Yeah. But except for Bournemouth, who yeah. just have one guy out, I think, one or two. <laughs> right. But no, um, this is the game you watched. I watched the highlights of this game. It was just, dude, it was just this Bournemouth team. I think they're going to be one of these, I don't want to call them flat track bullies, but I think they're going to beat up on everybody who's like eighth or lower. You know who they remind me of? Uh, if you go back to the 2020 bubble season when the Blades of Wilder was coaching Sheffield and they got sixth or seventh that season, mm-hmm. this team reminds me of so much in the fact of like, they are playing way out of their depth in terms of the quality that they're playing with. And I think it comes down to the Cherry Prince himself. Um, Patrick Kluivert's son, Justin Kluivert, the Dutch king, uh, gets on the score. Solanke is also a a player that other teams may want to bring in. I mean, Terry's a starter. If somebody else comes and picks him up, he might be off the bench. But Solanke, I mean, how many games has he scored in a row now? He's in insane form. Uh, He's one of the top goal scorers in the league. Um, But, yeah, I felt like Clover was one of their best players today. Uh, Or not today, sorry, at the game. Yeah, at the game. And then Sinestra, uh, Leeds United Loney, coming on off the bench is a firework for them, man. Like, the goal that he scored was insane, upper 90 from outside the box. And that could be really good for Leeds to have a low knee because they are poised to get back yep. into the league. Mm-hmm. And they lost a lot of their players when they went down. Um, well, I think Leicester was the only team that kept the majority of their squad. Sinestro is a special player. Uh, I think he will be huge for Bournemouth Sinestra, going forward. Sinestra? Yeah, Sinestra. Sorry. Yeah, Sinestro is a Green Lantern villain. <laughs> Gosh, dang it. All right, my bad, guys. No, no, you're okay. You <laughs> Born- got, you've got me. I had to get you for a bad pronunciation. <laughs> but yeah, Born- Bournemouth <laughs> just cut through him like butter. Uh, Fulham, they actually had a decent performance, I'd say. Like, I wouldn't say the scoreline favored uh, Bournemouth. Like, I think the scoreline was fair. But in terms of the performance, I don't think Fulham played particularly bad. But man, um, Fulham, man, I. I told you when we had our predictions a couple weeks ago that we may need to look at them as a possible relegation team. And now that they've crashed back down to earth, they are within you know that sort of range with Luton. They're in that, six points. That six point range where everyone's separated by a point from Luton. Yep. Up Everton, to Fulman. Yeah. Up to Fulham. Yep. So it's just it's crazy. Uh, credit to Bournemouth. Um, I'll get. I'll. Well, I want to ask you the stoppage time question on Sunday. I do have an, an additional one today, but okay. I'll save the Bournemouth question for Sunday. Uh, well, my stop time question is just because it's this, this may be our last podcast of the year, and I just wanted to get it out of the way. Well, Sunday we're oh we're gonna record Sunday. Why not, man? Okay, yeah. yeah then I'll then we'll 
Ask me your stop and we'll save mine for next week since you're answering one of them. <laughs> Sounds All right, where are we heading next? I hope we're heading to where I want to head. Sorry, guys, I smashed my phone on the table. Uh, yes, uh, Matthews, Luton Townies, away beating Sheffield United 3-2. to two. In my opinion, Matt, a proper relegation between two championship sides that hate each other. What was your thoughts well, on the game? The, so let me go over the XG. Um, the yeah. XG. Yep. Sheffield United, three points. Oh, so, so guys, here's the score. Sheffield 2, Luton 3. Sheffield United's XG, 3.62. Luton's XG, 0.72. Like, I honestly thought Sheffield outplayed them. Oh, they, they did. Completely. When they came out in the half, so the first goal was scored by uh, Doherty, mm-hmm. and then Sheffield came to life in the second half. It was I thought they were done. I think I was texting you that they this just looks like they're done. Yeah. Um, because Sheffield came out and they had the crowd behind them and they were soaring. I see this where all their XG came from because they could have it could have been four to one in that period about twenty ish minutes yeah. after the half broke. So you just got to feel for for while they're in his side, oh, man, man, because that is a killer way to go out. And the way they go out too is two own goals. Two man, it's two. <laughs> one at seventy one one or seventy seven one at eighty one. Within a five minute period, you go from winning this game to losing this game off ricochets. I'm I'm ready to start start labeling this Luton side as the Towny Magic, man, because they have they pulled points. They got moral points against you guys. They got points from City. They got points from Newcastle. And they've escaped the Blades of Wilder away. So Away. That is like a game where you got to do something. And their XG, like, they, I remember maybe two chances to score. Because I missed, I missed, I got an escalation call. And I had to deal with some uh, somebody who was very upset about money. A proper prat. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I had to deal with somebody who was very upset about money. And I had to rewatch these goals afterwards. Because I just saw they won. I didn't realize how they won. Yeah. And it was one of those things where I'm just like, man, that, I feel bad for Sheffield. I don't want Luton to survive. But you got to feel but for Sheffield. I, no, you have to feel yeah. because this is their home game. This is a game that they showed up and they had they played better football. Yeah, Luton just got lucky. I agree. Um, but, yeah, credit to Luton. Uh, another special, special game for them. Uh, for Sheffield, it's... You needed points against a fellow relegation team, and the, and the the way that it ended was just not in your favor. But I, I'd say for the performance overall, they should be a little bit happy. But it's tough. Uh, let's get to the next game here, guys. Darwin, Darwin Nunez. He came from Benfica to the Redlands. <laughs> Liverpool defeating Burnley two nil. This was the Liverpool that I was expecting a proper dominant performance. The scoreline actually was more in Burnley's favor. It could have been 4 or 5 nil. Um, Burnley had maybe one or two chances specifically in the first half that I remember. But, Matt, what were your thoughts on the game? Um, it was great to see Diego Jada come back into form. Mm-hmm. It was like watching a puppy get punched. I really was hoping Burnley would put up a better fight. But they just didn't have it in them. It was just, it was just Liverpool. the Liverpool that existed before the Man United and Arsenal games was back. Yeah, and that looked like the, the on Darwin's goal in particular. That looked like the least Darwin goal. It looked like a regular professional goal. Like it didn't look confusing. He didn't look lost for a second before scoring. It was a actual beautiful finish from Darwin Nunez, which he can do them. I don't. The no, but the thing is, is like he could do them, but like he does something weird first every yeah, time okay. before he finishes. Fair enough. <laughs> I just. I feel like 
Darwin gets a lot of... He does. Know, he does. A lot of stick, maybe, is the best word. That's why it. I like singing his name, because he does deserve some credit. But uh, credit, credit to Liverpool. Uh, we'll see where they're at in the table after this, especially after some big results today we'll get into. Um, Burnley, it's one of those dust-off games. You're playing one of the best teams in the league. But uh, let's get into the Wednesday slate here, guys. Are we starting at your... With your team? I wanted to give credit to our paratisans... What was the word? Paratisan saint? Paratisan saint? Uh, shoot, I forgot the word. One of our Patron saint. Patron saint, thank you. Um, oh, we're going to go to Wolves first. Yes, sir. Let's we, do it. Brentford at home, losing to Wolves, 4-1. to one. First off, uh, credit to our boy Huang Ki Chan. But second off, what the fuck? Brentford, man. They so had... They, uh, were, they were out nine players from their, yep. their starting lineup. They had they were feeling it, but the wolves they they were ready. They pounced. I felt bad for Thomas Frank. He looked like he was kind of Bruce Banner going to turn the Hulk on the sidelines. Brentford actually had a great performance, yeah. but they had three costly mistakes, which you you can't make these types of mistakes in the Premier League. It was horrible. Hwangi Chan's goal in particular, the twenty eight minute goal right after the kickoff, mm-hmm. right. Because like literally the uh, wolves scored, and then on kickoff, yeah, it was a steal one where it was out of nowhere. But he just put that goalie on his ass. <laughs> I don't know who... And, and there was also an additional one where the center back played it back to their goalie, but it was a terrible pass, and, and Huang Yi-chan just picks it up and, and gets right past the goalie. It was easy. Um, I love the um, the cross to that open header where it bounced out for the first goal. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember the players involved, but I remember I was watching this back. I was doing chores and stuff, but it was one of those goals where it was just like... a. I don't remember if it came from. A, I think it came from a set piece or a free kick, and it was just one of those goals where it was just like well executed, well executed poetry motion. Both of Mister Hichan's goals were phenomenal. A proper Korean king goal, Yo, dude. <laughs> both those ones, and then the last goal was just kind of just icing on the cake. Um, but I wanted to give credit to Wisa. Yeah, he, that he, his goal was like beautiful. a toe. A, we call a poacher's goal. Yeah. And just a little flick of the toe right at the right perfect area with his foot in the right spot at the right time. He's been the only bright spot for this Brentford team, man. It's it's actually been disappointing. I had a lot of high hopes, especially with Tony coming back, where I thought they could have snuck into like a conference league spot. But they've dropped too many points now, in my opinion, to, to get back up into that position. I think they are right in the middle. I think their floor was just above the relegation zone. And their, their ceiling is that spot, like Europa League, Conference, conference League. league. Yep. And they are still in the middle of their their spot. Don't get me wrong; things are going to get tough just for every team in that group, where they're all separated by one point each for a total of six. Mm-hmm. Where when they start playing each other and the fists start flying, they can find themselves in a bad spot for sure. And um, final thought on Wolves: they're in great form, and Neto's not even on the field yet, dude. Mm-hmm. When Neto comes back, man, like you said last week, this is a totally different Wolves team, and they're already clicking right now. So. But I want to set you up for the next game because I know you're dying for this. Chelsea 2, Crystal Palace 1. Reese, how you feeling? Because that was that was a beautiful game. The the well, the opening half. And you guys chopped in pieces. Your, I thought your XG was gonna be in the three to four range. I've never done crack cocaine in my life, but I felt <laughs> like I was on crack cocaine when that Noni Matawake goal went in. Um <laughs> I've never done crack cocaine in my life. Um honestly, uh I was very. I'm glad you haven't done crack. Thank Sorry. You, thank you. Uh, into the game, uh, Inkunku is a special player. Um, he couldn't play the full 90 minutes because he's still coming back from injury. You have to manage that. He can't play a full 90 minutes yet. Maybe on Saturday, who will get into that preview as well of who they're playing. Um, 
man, I, and Kuku and Mudrik are, are such a fun, pl- such fun players to watch, and to see them play together and have that chemistry already is so nice. Um, and I'll go into our who I want to be in that attack uh, in the Saturday game that who they play. Um, but just a stupid freaking goal they conceded to to Elise, man. Um, mm-hmm. Poor decision again. I'm. Let me say this. So, again, everyone's hating on Poch because he hates Kowal at left back, which I completely understand, right? But at the same time, everyone on Twitter agrees with each other. Nobody actually, like, wants to, like, see the outside thought for Poch, which comes to size, and his team does lack size. Mm -hmm. My issue with Poch is that I've also been calling for Matson to play left back. You know what he does? Let me stick him at right wing, even though he's a left-footed player. You could tell he's never played right fucking wing in his life because he made so many mistakes Put the dude on the left side of the field if you're at least going to give him an opportunity. I thought that was unfair. And then the second he takes Kowal off and puts Gusto out to left back, again, questionable when you had Matson on the field, but, you know. Uh, Gusto gets moved to left back, and then Chelsea completely took over the game. It kind of reminds me of, uh, you ever see the money movie Moneyball? Yeah, of course, man. That's what well, Bowley's based yeah. his team off yeah. of. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what it kind of reminds me of, where it's like Poch has been handed this group of players that can all do individually things very well. Uh, with a couple of exceptions, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But and he's just trying to make it work with the make a recipe that works with the ingredients he has. Yeah, and I don't want to make excuses for Chelsea because I haven't made excuses for any other team. No, and but I think like, they, these are issues that they can fix moving forward. Well, and the thing the is, is, is Chelsea literally don't or have a, Yeah, outside of Matson, they don't have a left back. Kukurea is injured. Chilwell has been gone since Vietnam, and then your right backs, you only have Gusto there. So like they are really limited in the uh, defensive area. So I feel like when they get a proper left back, either through the door in January or when they get one of their left backs. We'll see a more normal Chelsea side because when he plays players in their preferred positions, Chelsea plays so much better. Well, my two notes on this game, because I was counting you to watch it because I was flipping over to another game, um, was I only watched the first half because I went to watch City versus Everton. Chelsea's got their bully boots back, and then Koku made that offense click. I mm-hmm. see what Reese was talking about. Yeah, and if if he continues to play that that sort of uh, attacking mid second striker role, I think Chelsea can do wondrous things going forward. But uh, yeah, the thing for me now is they just need to pick up points. I don't really care about the performances because I don't like the the narrative of Poch's job being at risk. So I just want him to get some points. But credit to Chelsea. I wouldn't put Poch's job at risk. Yeah. I would give him one more season because his. He's trying to build something, and if you just kids. if you take that back, no, I mean they they said something when Silva went off, they became one the, like their age profile dropped. That Silva was, is the only guy over thirty on the entire team. You you brought up a good point. That was Chelsea's youngest lineup they've ever had. Mm-hmm. So just something to to Which see the project with. A re, uh, shoot, uh, what's his name? The the Sterling. Yeah, he was the oldest player on the pitch. Sterling's twenty six. He's well, just been around forever. Well, Sterling was suspended. So it oh, was, wait a minute, he wasn't even on the pitch. So Thiago Silva oh. was subbed on, and that's when Chelsea sort of clicked together because gotcha. he made a bunch of adjustments. But um, I, I was may, I, maybe I maybe I saw Phantom Sterling in my nightmares or something. You may be thinking of Noni Matuweke. Uh, Noni came on. He was basically the saving grace for Chelsea because it was tied one to one until he came on. And man, when again you see what happens when you play a position, a player at their proper position. Matuweke came on at right wing, dominated the game. He looked like our best player. Again, I'll go into who I want to see starting an attack, but he is one of those players. I have a question for you: Are we worried about Crystal Palace yet? Because again, as you were talking about Brentford being within mm-hmm. that one point range, Palace are now in that sort of group. Yeah, I'm. 
I don't think it's red alert. Like, have you ever seen Star Trek? But they're definitely in yellow alert. Yeah. Um, like I told you, I have a soft spot for Palace, and I was wanting them to get yeah. some points off this game. Of course. But when you guys came back and scored that second goal, I knew they weren't coming back because they weren't generating any offense. They just got lucky on a break. Thanks. Uh, I completely agree. And from what I was able to glean from this, um, the Probably. recaps yeah. was – it was just you guys cutting them to pieces for another 40 minutes after I left. They had 80% possession in the second half yeah. for Chelsea. It's just crazy. That, that's basically, it just looked like Roy couldn't generate a thing after I left. Which again... Which he, I wish I had stayed because the next game we're going to go over is just sadness in a bottle yeah. for everybody except for the sky blue of Manchester. My final thoughts on this Chelsea game is I can't see how you can want Potch out when one, he's playing a bunch of kids and two... Although the performance, like, they're not creating enough chances, they have the second most big chances missed, Chelsea do. So, like, you're kind of, like, contradicting yourself. I think that Tottenham game kind of goosed your numbers, too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. (laughs) But, like, they're contradicting themselves, in a sense. Because Nicholas Jackson had a hat trick, but Nicholas Jackson also had, like, 20 big bad chances in that game. Nico Jackson also missed uh, big chances uh, yesterday as well, so... Um, yeah, but my final thoughts is I don't understand how a guy who dominates possession is under risk of his job if his team just has minor errors in their yeah. team that cost them games. So. Well, I think just your fan base is in the bad mood like Arsenal fan TV you, was a few years people ago. People got to realize, man, like Chelsea haven't been in this position of like outside of last season. Obviously, they haven't been a bad team since the like late '90s, early 2000s. Well, since for 20 years you've been a dominant team mm-hmm. for 20 years. Before that, you guys weren't really everyone around my age is like dude what is happening but like but you have to go through the growing pains because and i mean this no i agree you guys were kind of steve rogers roided up like super serumed up and now you're going through where you're having to go to the gym and build the muscle to get it back exactly and like we discussed way back when eden hazard retired of like one of our first episodes he papered over a lot of the cracks Mm -hmm. of chelsea so uh, this rebuild could have happened way longer uh, ago. But let's jump into the final Wednesday game. Uh, Matt kind of alluded to it. Everton at home defeat, 3-1 to one to Manchester City. Outside of the first half, it looked like regular Manchester City. Yeah. What were your thoughts on the game? Um, Jack Harrison gave me hope that they were going to get a draw, but then uh, Phil Foden <laughs> showed up and uh, just said, Hey, Matt, wipe that smile off your face and turn it into a frown because... Grumpy Cat's going to kick some butt. <laughs> Robbie Musto said it perfectly. He's, you know, he's like, of all the talent on this team, Phil Foden at his age might be the most technical player on this team. When we were talking, I don't know if we covered it on the podcast, I always thought that Sokka and Foden were equals, and I think that Foden now is above Sokka in that youth talent England pool. I agree. Not by much, because I still have star glasses on for my star boy. They do. But Foden showed in this game that he can grab by the scruff, and Sokka hasn't done that this season. Exactly. He's done it in the past, but he hasn't done it this season. But seeing all the, like, Grealish was trying, and then Foden was just like, come on, boys, let's do this. That Foden goal was insane. A knuckleball. Jordan Pickford had no chance. Mm -hmm. Um, So much pace on it. And he looks so angry. Yeah, he always does, though. (laughs) Fuck off. That's just a common thing. Well, let's jump back before we start burying Everton in dirt in their shallow grave. Jack Harrison and they... and um, They had a good first half. They had a great first half. And that goal, they handled Man City. They just couldn't do it once City woke up. It's like City... Got up from a nap right before when they were on the bus. That's what I was just saying. And then Pep threw water in their face at halftime and told them to get. Well, we got to realize they were in. Good as a bark. 
I'm not going to say the country that they were in previously because I don't remember, but they were coming back from the Club World Cup. You mm-hmm. could tell they were definitely taking a nap in the sense, but once Pep threw some water on them, gave them a halftime beating, I get. I yeah, bet. gave Phil Foden a vitamin B shot <laughs> somewhere. Just crazy. Um, I thought DCL could have tied the game 2-2 two to two on the counter that they had where he had a header that would just went way – or actually a sitter missed wayward wide, literally right outside the goal on a counter. And if that game goes 2-2, two to two, that game could have gone anyway. But, but I just think that if Silva had that chance at the end of the game, Bernardo, man. you're just not – He's just going in. He, he is so... I, I, I want him to get the credit he deserves because he is so world-class. But, dude, like, he didn't... He, he The ball is, like, flying at him at full speed, and he just takes one touch, bangs it. Like, that takes so much technique to actually control the ball, and from the angle that they were at to finish it literally perfectly in the corner. It's like the man did advanced geometry at the college <laughs> junior level in his head yeah. when he made that shot. And I'm just like, once it left his foot, I was just like, oh, Everton's done. Yeah, There's no there, there's no miracle chance. Once at their games, they done it. You could see it in their eyes, too. Yeah. They were just done. And it was sad because they've been on a roll. Everyone, I think, except the, every fan, even of teams except for maybe Liverpool, want to see Everton avoid this drop. Yeah. For sure, and actually, I'm not even sure Liverpool wants him to go down. Yeah, right. <laughs> Keep the rivalry going. Yeah. Uh, let's jump into the first game of the Thursday slate here, guys. One of two games. The, the joy before Matt's sadness. <laughs> <laughs> Brighton at home defeating Tottenham four to two, but really it was a one-sided affair. It was four zero at one point. Matt, what were your thoughts on the game for what you were able to see? So I didn't get to watch the end of this game. I was getting it from you and Rebecca Lowe yeah. and Robbie Musto uh, when I was on break. They were, as they were at halftime for Arsenal, they were showing the goals going in that Tottenham scored. If this game had been one of those like plus 11 minute games, it could have been tied. Like you said, you said early on when they went up 2 0, Tottenham can still come back. And you're like, 3 0, this game's dusted. And then you're like, 4 0, Tottenham should just go home. Tottenham didn't go home. They played Ange Ange Highline ball and didn't forget their principles. Yeah, they didn't fold. I saw what you were talking about earlier when I was dissing Ange Ball when they lost to Chelsea. Why are you doing that high line? Why do you keep doing it? It's like this. Yeah. Now, it's great that you mentioned that because when they are up, they should be probably going back to their old ways of the low block and everything like that. But this is Ball. This is Ange Ball. This is the way he wants to play no matter what the scoreline is. And they are injured and they, like, I sent you the guy that we, I love sending his social media posts. Yeah. Yeah. And he was talking, I don't know his name. I always just, he's just a rhymey guy to me. And uh, he was saying how they have no... Huh? His name is Expressions. Expression. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Thank you, sir. He really does express. Too. Yeah. Oh, he does. <laughs> I have to. I have to. Wait, like, what, fam? He does you know, like them ways there, blood. Go ahead. Go ahead. But he was saying with Romero injured, they have no starting defenders left. Yeah. All their defenders are second and third string guys. Outside of Poro and Udogi, but the center backs in mm-hmm. particular, yeah. they had nobody. Um, I thought. Uh, and they're going to lose Basuma to the African Cup. And yep. there's another player they're losing. Is it Sun to the African or the Asian Cup? I didn't know there was that as well. Yeah, because Tommy is going away okay. um, for Japan. So I assume that because Korea is yeah. ranked higher you know, than internationally. Yeah, internationally in Japan. We'll have to see about that. I, I actually didn't know about that. Because the African Cup is going to take a lot, like Sala and Partey yeah, and some players. I know away. about AFCON, but yeah. I didn't hear about that. There's the, an Asian Cup. I don't know if they're exactly the same time or yeah. if they overlap, but. It's going to draw Sun and Basuma away. 
Now, in, in turn, January, I want to give credit to Brighton because um, I thought João Pedro has his, had his best game of his uh, season or his career at Brighton. Um, that first goal in particular where he took on two defenders and had a quick switch from his left to his right foot and played a perfect ball to this child that I don't know his name of and volleyed it uh, uh, right above uh, Vicario. Who, who was the first goal scorer? I want to give him credit. Uh, I thought it was Welbeck. Nah, the first goal was some some child. Oh, Hinswood. Yeah. Hinch, Hinshelwood. Sorry, Jack Hinshelwood. Now, he's been playing... Oh, cool. no. Welbeck didn't even score. He just had that attempt. Yeah. My bad. Now... Hinchelwood's been playing pretty frequently lately for Brighton, which I had questions about, but he has proved me wrong, especially in this game in particular. This was a Deserby masterclass. We knew this game was going to be back and forth, but Brighton were so organized and defensively sound that Tottenham had no opportunities in those first 60... Not Odo opportunities. They did not play well those first 60 minutes of a normal Spurs size that we've seen. I wish I had a breakdown of when the XG for Tottenham happened because... I think that their XG was just created two in the goals. last 20 minutes. Those two goals that they scored were probably just their two XGs. Gotcha. But, um, yeah, much-deserved win for Brighton. Uh, 3.85 for Brighton. Yeah. D- right on the money, basically. Exactly. So, credit to Brighton. Um, this was the Brighton team that I was high on before season. This type of performance is the Brighton team that I was used to seeing. So, uh, huge points. Tottenham, I think this is one of those games you can kind of move on from because they are having a bunch they, of... They're just... I think they're on top of the injury table now. And we talk we like we talk about Newcastle missing and important players and, and, you know, Chelsea and Arsenal missing important players. Tottenham are missing the their best players. And Romero and... The other center back? Yeah. Van, Van de Ven. Yep. Thank you. And, Madison. And Madison. Who Magic. was like the revelation earlier in the season. Exactly. I so, mean, that's your keys out. And then Basuma's out for cards, right? Yeah, he, yeah, I think he has one more suspension, or that was his last one. one yeah, and then he may be going away. For He's going to go away in January, too. So, yeah. I mean, that's going to hurt them because, like... Now, I do think their midfield is a little bit more interchangeable when Madison is back. Mm-hmm. But if, as long as Madison is gone, Basuma is a huge loss. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of feel for the Spurs East fans as a neutral. Uh, as do you a, think they can make it? To back into Europa League or Champions League, for sure, for sure. I do think Me they. Too. I still think their ceiling or their floor is Europa League. I don't see them going anywhere below that because they've been insane form. Because if they get everyone back for the last three months, they could do the city thing where they might be in the seventh or eighth and shoot right back up to third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. And they've been playing well without their key parts missing. Mm-hmm. They're still getting results, so I'm really not too worried for Spurs going forward. I think they're in that top four race until the end. No, I I wasn't worried, especially after I watched that uh, Robbie Must do live commentary on the halftime show over their goal yeah uh which is pretty impressive but hey reese uh why don't you set me up for some sadness <laughs> so uh arsenal at home losing 2-0 to the hammers of west ham matt what were your thoughts on the game reactions depressions give me the load arsenal 2.7 xg to 1.6 from west ham do you think that was fair uh, per the game that you saw in terms of the performance from Arsenal? They couldn't put it away. I was really kind of disappointed in uh, Jesus and Martinelli. I was going to say the same thing, especially about Jesus. He had a head. Saka had some moments, but he was the best of the front three. But that's not saying a lot in this game. I thought I was very disappointed in Jesus because he had a free header. I I, I think it was around the time you texted me what happened when Saka got a pen. It was about 10 minutes before that, around the 50th or 60th. Sorry, I'm rambling. But yeah. he had an open header that he It's sh- late, guys, for yeah. us. <laughs> he had an open header that he should have put away, mm-hmm. and he did not. And he had a couple of those opportunities. We well. really missed Kai. Yeah. Um, Trissard didn't, couldn't play the role that Kai played. 
And he, honestly, I would have put him, hindsight being 2020, maybe Troussard would have been better to have on Martinelli's side. Give Martinelli a rest and then maybe throw Emil Smith Rowe or, um, well, Jorginho's not fit. Yes. I, I um, see your point, though. I think. I just look, Martinelli just looked tired. Yeah. He looked like a, a guy who's played too much football. He gives his every he gives his heart in the first seventy minutes of the game, and he had to play a full ninety just a couple of days ago. Well, I mean, if you think outside of Brentford, and um, you know, not really many teams had a six days off. You know, this yeah. was a midweek, and for in particular with Chelsea, well, they had three games in seven days, so there were some tired legs out there. And I think we make all these excuses about all these other teams, but I think the team that needs a break more than anybody else is your side because you guys play in such a high intensity sort of play where. We're not seeing the same Saka, Martinelli, and Jesus that we saw of last season. I think them playing Wednesday would have been better. I think they got too much time off. Yeah, because that, that's fair, actually. Because sometimes those when you pay a few day, like two days after, you're still kind of in that mojo. But that third day might have killed killed it a little bit. You're saying? Yeah. It, it, to me, it just looked like the front three. They either I think they because to me, a four day weekend's always too much, and a three day weekend's not enough. Yeah, that's fair. It's just I think that they didn't get the, they got a four day when they needed a three day. Yeah. Because I was, I've been struggling this week at work because I had a four day. It was too much time off, and it was in the wrong order. All the important stuff that kept me busy was at the end of the week. And nothing, nothing, nothing worse than working during the holidays, right? Yeah. Um, now let's let's go to the other side. We we got to give credit to to West Ham. Oh, no, David Moyes came yeah. in with a game plan. He executed it, and it was nice. Solanke is a freaking great player. Not Solanke. Just, oh, Suchek. Suchek. Sorry. Gotcha. It's late. Suchek was a great player, and he. He took his shot and he got his goal. I think the win was not deserved for uh, Hammers in the sense that you guys had 30 shot attempts. And <laughs> I just think that's so crazy. Go ahead. Well, And I think it, when you guys have 10 corners, you guys also had 10 corners. I feel like you guys would have converted. Like you guys, with the record that you guys have been having from set pieces, like yeah. one of those had to go in. Like it just wasn't your day in my it just, opinion. But that's the thing. I, maybe I'm, I'm not verbalizing it right. Like, when we talked right after the game on text, I was depressed. As you and say, now, and now I'm kind of like, well, it's not that they bad. didn't. They, they didn't. They had every chance to win the game, and they didn't do it. And we'll go into the table in a moment, but like, I don't think this comes to bite you at the end of the season. I don't think it's one of those games because I mean, if it does, I was then, hoping for a draw, just like you were saying. They they can come back and get the draw. Yeah. I think if Kai had been on the field, they would have got the draw. That's fair. Because he would have stretched them at the at the end of the game, and they would have had to deal with a six foot four German man in their defensive box. I have a question for you. Yes, sir. You said when Raya saved the penalty at the end, "Yay, Raya finally saved some shots." What were your thoughts on Raya's performance? What's the what's the? Well, no, no, it wasn't about Raya. It was about Ramsdale. Yeah, but let me ask. Let okay. me ask the question. Okay. What is it about Raya that you are not the biggest fan compared to as you are with Ramsdale? Is it because he Ramsdale has that edge, or do you think it is more of a talent? It's the more, it's more the personality with me. I got you. I got you. Um, when I went to the game, I got to see Matt Turner and Ramsdale warm up. I got to see Matt Turner and Ramsdale chatting and talking. It. It's different. And now they're ba- both basically gone because it was just nice to see those guys in the flesh. Because I showed you where my tickets were. I literally yelled at Matt Turner. He looked at me, and then I, the lady behind me told me to shut up and leave him alone. I was like, Matt Turner! <laughs> and it, during bits of the game, when they were breaks, him and Ramsdale would chat. It was just, yeah. they, those guys had great personality, and I don't know Ryan's personality. Yeah. He just seems like a guy who comes to work, kind of like Ben White. He just comes to work, he does his job. 
I'm not sure he entirely wants to be there. So now, now. But I was just more impressed because Ramsdale never seemed to save a shot. That was more my comment. And Raya just knocked one out of the air. Yeah. And he's fair. a shorter guy compared to a lot of the goalies in the league. That's fair. It's funny it was nice to it. see an Arsenal goalie block a penalty. Is what I was more the comment was. <laughs> I gotcha. That that's more what I was expressing. Maybe it didn't come across right. So you guys heard it here first. Although uh, Matt's one of Matt's favorite players is Benny Blanco. He doesn't like Raya because he's Spanish. That's why you guys heard it here first. <laughs> why said they both just look like guys who come to work? Like <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Like I don't like they don't let Ben White do interviews because Ben White doesn't care. Yeah. And he also doesn't have like a, a cap on. His vulgarness, you know, he's no. like, yeah. like I've never seen Ryan do nothing. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen Ryan do an interview, and I know why they don't send Ben White out anymore. And those guys just kind of seem like they would just be good friends. Like they play Fortnite after work together. Yeah. They just want to live their life. They just want to live their life with their beautiful wives and go get work on their beautiful tans. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Let's go. More ahead. so Ben White than Raya, but they're both golden, golden yeah. men. <laughs> I gotcha. Let's go ahead and jump into the table here before we jump into our break. Uh, Sheffield is still at the bottom with nine points. Burnley with eleven points. Uh, Luton with fifteen points, still a game in hand, and Everton are one point ahead of them. So something to keep an that eye. That game on. in hand is against Bournemouth too. But now there's a big gap between them, though. I gotcha. Now um, we go ahead and creep into the top four here. Uh, City, game in hand, 37 points. Villa, 39 points. And Arsenal in second with 40 points. And with a two-point lead to end this match week, we have Liverpool with 42 points. So very close on the top four. Um, Even top five, Spurs is with 36 points. So uh, we'll go ahead and uh, take a break here, guys. We'll be right back with you. All right, guys. We are back with next week's preview for week 20. Uh, starting on Saturday, we got Chelsea at Luton. At 5.30 in the fucking morning. Uh, oh, that's rough. What sucks about today, guys, is I have to go into the office on Saturday. Usually I work from home, so I will be cranky for our Sunday uh, review, but not intentionally. So I will get up early to watch this game, and at least the second half. Just don't text me, please. I won't text you. I'll just make my notes. <laughs> because the thing is, is Luton is at home, and Luton have been an insane form at home. I am going to go with a 2-1 win to the Blues. I'm finally picking my squad. I don't think it's going to be pretty, but I do think we finally win away. So the happiness I want is a 2-1 Luton win. Realistically, I think it's going to be a 2-2 draw. I gotcha. I think that's fair. Now, what now I was, will this young team handle what's going to happen there? So what I was alluding to in our previous segment, guys, is I wanted to see a certain attack. So we have Cole Palmer back. We have Sterling back. Put Sterling's ass on the bench until he knows how to square a pass when we're one-on-one with the goalkeeper. I'm not going back to last weekend because it was a long time ago, but keep him on the bench. Palmer at Cam. Left wing Mudrick, of course. Right wing Noni Matawake and up top. Put my boy in Kunku. Put the crown on his head. I'm tired of seeing Nico Jackson, at least for a little bit. He has so much potential. I don't like the hate Nico Jackson gets because he has very little game time as a pro, just like most of the other players on on our team. But I want to see Nkunku at that nine. I think he'll thrive. Hey, what's the next game for us, Matt? Next game is Brentford at Crystal Palace. Huge, huge game, man. Because it's a, like a not a relegation battle, but it's it's damn close. Well, with the point yeah. separation um, in the table, if like let's say Luton beats Chelsea, mm-hmm. not saying it's likely going to happen, but it's, let's say it does, and then 
Palace lose to Brentford, then Luton could be like right out of the relegation zone. You're way too kind to Chelsea because we could definitely lose this fucking game. Anyways, um, yeah, both teams on terrible form right now. Brentford have lost four straight, and uh, Crystal Palace have not won a game in the last five games. So cool. not good form for either of these teams. Both of them need to turn it around. Um, I do think the home team will barely scrape this one out. I think it's going to be a 1-0 via an Eze goal uh, for Palace. What about you? I have two ones of Crystal Palace. I think that's fair. All right, next up we got Sheffield United visiting Manchester City. City's uh, back. You know, back I love, again. You know I love the Blades of Wilder. You know, he, he he's my guy. Um, but yeah, let's just keep this short and sweet. I'm going 3-0 to City. 2-0 City. Yeah. What's the next game? All right, Burnley at Villa. At the Villains back at home. Yeah, uh, Villa needs to get a comfy performance in, and I don't really care how what the scoreline is. I want to see a Villa performance back to what we've seen them previously, like when they played you guys in City. What are you picking? I'm going to go with a 2-1 win to Villa, but I don't think it's the performance that I'm expecting from I think it'll be I got 2-0 to Villa, and I think that Emery's going to get them back. Cause mm-hmm. we, we've seen this with him at Valencia and Arsenal, where they go on a skid and he gets them back in form. Yep. I just think it usually takes him two games, but I think he has better players than he had at both those teams. I have an early stoppage time question. That's not my stoppage time question, so I'll keep it quick. Do you think uh, top four is exceed not exceeding expectations because it's obviously exceeding expectations for Villa, but do you think it'll be too soon for them to get into the Champions League with how many games they'll have to play next season? Well, we got to remember they do have players that are injured all season that are coming yep. back next season, yep. like Tyrone Mings. Is that Mings? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Nice. Triore is so, one of them. Yeah, they got a couple guys. So maybe not. I mean, I think Europa League is right where they're going to be, but they're right now, they're in Europa Conference, right? They're in one of those leagues. Yeah, so if they win, and Emery has only ever lost one Europa League game or crazy, crazy um, against your Blues, I don't. I think it is, but not by much. Yeah, I think that there's a. If they make it, I don't. I think that this Villa group has a good eye for talent and um, will be able to get the the squad they need to hopefully do better than Newcastle, Manchester United this year. Mm-hmm. I think that their place should be the Europa League, but if they make it to Champions League, I will not be surprised. And I think Emery deserves it because he's been a great coach this season. And you'll think he'll be they'll they'll still have the the, the scouting and everything like that to do well in the Champions League and Premier League. Yes, I, I well, I agree. I, I think they may be one of those teams that falls into the Europa League, but Kinda I don't like think Newcastle they're going. I don't season. think they're going to finish fourth yeah. in their group yeah. unless they get the group of death. I again. was going to say it always just comes down to who they're playing. Like so. if they end up like I doubt this could happen based off the way the rings were, but they had to like drop in with PSG, Real Madrid, and um, <laughs> Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich. <laughs> yeah. Then they'd be fourth. But I gotcha. Well, then in a group of death like that, then a team like you, you know Bayern Munich or City could drop down too. Yeah. What's the next game for us? Man? All right, so we just left Burnley at Villa. We have Everton at Wolves. Man, another... Ooh. I don't think this is a big game because This Wolves is the have, one I... So I basically yeah. predicted a 2-1, and I basically flipped a coin, and it went to Wolves. <laughs> I think it's going to be... One, one, one team is going to score two, one game team is going to score one. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, not going to say anything, uh, but Bournemouth, Wolves, and Chelsea are all tied for 10th place. I'm not going to say anything, but that is what is true at this point. Ooh, um, it could be a bad evening for you. <laughs> depending on how other results go. Um, I do think Everton, 
Uh, unless uh, Neto starts or gets a lot of minutes in this game, I think Everton will barely squeeze this one out. I'm going 1-0 to the Toffees. Okay. We'll see how that one shakes out. Unless our patron saint just goes crazy. Which is that's, always That's what I'm thinking. Let's go. I'm cool with that. All right. So <laughs> next up, we have Manchester United at Nottingham Forest. This is one where I didn't really know where to go because the, this United team, we see it in spurts. And yeah. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep it up. So I go with 2-2. Two, two draw that's fair uh nuno has been having great performance with forest the last two games um i do think united win this game only because i don't think chris wood turns into prime Lionel messi again and i think it will be a two nil win for united but i don't think it'll be pretty if that makes sense not a pretty two nil but like a you know when you like meet a girl at the bar and she's like a four but like you've already had like three or two or three shots you're like eh, she's like a seven all right, let's I call right. the I call the motor vehicle division effect. <laughs> so when I was at the motor vehicles when I was like eighteen or seventeen, I see this girl and I think she's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And then I say, hey, because um, we were both too young to drink, I said, hey, can I take you out for lunch There's at this like Mexican place across? I didn't recognize her when she came in because without the the dregs of the motor vehicle division, she dropped like. <laughs> to being less attractive than I remember, right. even though it was only maybe 30 minutes had passed since um, I saw her. And I call the motor vehicle effect, division effect, where being around the dregs of humanity can make anyone like look like a superstar. <laughs> Did you still take her to lunch? I paid for lunch and I was a gentleman. I didn't, I, still, I didn't proceed any further, but I wasn't going to be a dick. I gotcha. That's a good guy, guys. You guys got to realize that. Matt, what's the next game for us? All right, next up. we that is, So that was all of Saturday. Now we're going into Sunday. Mm-hmm. Arsenal at Fulham. Arsenal head to Craven Cottage to hopefully get something. I think this is the time where Arsenal gets something. Uh, Fulham, like I said, I'm not very high on this season. And they are still without Jimenez for one more game, I think. I think so. Um, even if he is, uh, I think you guys have no choice but to get back on winning Because we track. get Kai back. And I think Kai's going to just wreak havoc with this group. Yeah. I'm loving how you're giving love to my boy like that. I just well, hey, it. I was one of the Arsenal people that wanted to give him love because, like, my point is, is this is not being you pay sixty million dollars for this man. He needs to be successful. We need him to be successful. We don't have many options to replace him. No choice but to back the guy. Yeah, I don't understand why people were. I well, I I understand. I don't condone. Yeah, for sure. I understand that people don't like getting players from Chelsea, but. Hey man, he is a a great player. You see that in that German side, he never leaves it. He is a good player, and we needed him to be a great player. And I think he's getting into there. And I think the ceiling with Kai, like, and I'm not even like saying this because he was a former Chelsea player. His ceiling actually is a Ballon d'Or. Like he is, his ceiling is actually that high in my opinion. Where especially under Arteta in his mind, like I think it's a match made in heaven. But. Lampard really just. He didn't have a team, and he was just sticking the players he knew he could count on and Lampard, on the pitch. Lampard's a shit manager. Yeah. <laughs> but he was just using because he didn't have any other strikers. Exactly. He's like, Kai, you're tall. Go out there and play striker. Like, <laughs> he's playing left wing for his national team, and he's playing central midfield. Like, the man can play anywhere on the pitch. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but, yeah. Well, which, sorry, I mean to go. I'm always down for a Kai discussion. Don't you worry. But uh, what do you think the score is going to be for this game? I think it's going to be dominant. Uh, I think it's going to be 4-0 to the Goons. I got 3-1. Okay. I got you. All right. Next up, we have Bournemouth at Spurs. 
Your Spurs head to the toilet bowl. Sorry, Spurs fans. I don't remember what your stadium's called. White Hart Lane. White Hart Lane. No, no, it's not White Hart Lane anymore. It's the the new stadium, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Or Google Chrome Dome or something. The Chrome Dome? No way. We'll have to look it up. (laughs) But they got it named this season. I can't remember what it was. It was called Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. If it's the Chrome Dome, then Tottenham, I am very ashamed. Because when I was there, I went to go almost almost went to see Arsenal, or sorry, Tottenham women versus Manchester United women at that ground because they had it, but. Something, it was just, a different it was just name. too late. It, it was, was just too late of the name because when I looked it up on the map, it was Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. You know what the stadium's going to be called after Sunday? The Cherry Prince. <laughs> I don't know. That was terrible. Um, cherry Prince. No, I got nothing. Uh, anyways. The cherry, the cherry Dome Arena? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dude. Anyways. Um, <laughs> Sorry, guys. We're struggling. It's late for us. Well, usually our puns are a lot better. Uh, this this kind of hurts me, man, because I'm a big Bostokoglu fan, and obviously I'm the but, ultimate praiser for Irola. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one sucks, but uh, I do think it is going to be another cherry, beautiful, smelling evening day out. I'm I'm going with the Solanke brace, and it's going to be three to two in a straight up fire game, in my opinion. I think this will be the game of the weekend. I think I have three to two, and I think we have like he has. Ariola had Ariola, yeah, what something like that. I don't even. Sorry, know. the the Cherry Prince has these yeah. beautiful garden parties where Emery has these good evenings yeah. that just are like thunderstorms of darkness descending from Birmingham as he conquers everybody. You know, he has these beautiful little dinner parties out in the garden. Um, but um, did I miss a game? Um, uh, let me double check here because we just did Arsenal and. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go. You're good. You're good. What's no, the... I don't think we missed one. What's the next one? So that that's we both predict a cherry win. Um, Monday we have Newcastle at Liverpool. This is the actual game of the weekend. Um, Newcastle in dire need of some points. Liverpool in dire need to keep their lead uh, in the league. But it's at Anfield. Exactly at the field. Of, is it the Field of Dreams? What they call it? I don't no, know. they call it the Theater of Dreams is Old Trafford. Gotcha. Sorry, I don't want to. I think Anfield is just this is Anfield. Oh, gotcha. Uh, this game's going to be crazy. Uh, I think it's going to be very intense. Um, if Newcastle play anything like they did against Forrest, then it's going to be dominant for Pools, but I think it's going to be close. I'm going to go with a 2-1 win for the Liverpool. 3-1 to Liverpool for me, sir. I got gotcha. Let's go ahead and jump into our stoppage time here, well, guys. We actually have one more game. We have a Tuesday game. We have Brighton at West Ham. Jeez, dude. Brighton at West Ham, huh? Yeah, that's on Tuesday. Double check for me. Uh, you are correct. Yeah. Okay. Dang, dude. Yeah, this is why I was questioning if we would do Sunday, so we might uh, just put these two games on the end of the week. Or this, we could do it Monday morning after the Liverpool game. We will have to do that one for next week's okay. slate. Uh, guys, I will be going to Disneyland next week. Oh. Uh, a much-needed vacation, especially after the BS that's happened today. And what so I have to we'll record on Sunday, and we'll move those other two games to the following week. Yes, Got sir. It. Uh, but into the game itself, uh, we saw our, probably the best Brighton side we've seen all season, and we have saw a very strong, uh, organized West Ham team, which who has now won four of their last five games. So I think this is going to be close contested. Um, I'm going to give it to Moyes again, man. I, I really don't me think... Me too. Two to one to West Ham for me. In Unless Paqueta is out for an extended amount of time, but if he's back on Tuesday, I think it's going to be comfortable. I think it's going to be two... Not comfortable. Two one to, to the Hammers. I think we and me pick the exact same. Okay. Um, my stoppage time question I'm going to save for Sunday before you go away. I already asked my other one of you earlier when we were covering the uh, Chelsea game. Yep. Hit me with yours, and then we'll call it an evening. 
Yes, sir. So uh, I actually just forgot it, but I did have a backup one that I was going to uh, go over with you. So, oh, wait, no, I remember now. I remember now. So we have our big six teams, right? The big six, not the top six, because I do like to talk about Chelsea, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Give me, we're, we're, past, we're past Christmas, but we have the January window coming up. We're going to go through each big six team very quickly because okay. it is late. And we're going to give them our holiday present of who we think should be transferred to this specific club. So, for example, I will start at Chelsea. What my Christmas want, my Christmas gift is, I want Lucas Paqueta uh, at Chelsea. It'll never happen, at least in the winter, because he's expensive. But I think he would fit our team perfectly and play in Kunku at oh, top. I thought you were going to pick that, uh, what's his name? He's plays for Napoli. Oshiman. Yeah, yeah Oshiman. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is, is like... You bring in Oshiman and a striker, and if it doesn't pan out, like Chelsea are screwed, at least for the rest of the season. Gotcha. Um, I think I think you look for a striker in the But that would be my gift to them because I fair. know they need a striker. Definitely. Fair. All right, who do we want to go to next? So, are we have Spurs? Let's go to your team uh, okay. because you are the knowledgeable goon fan here. Who is your Christmas present? Who is your Christmas want? What are you asking Santa? So this is hard because I think we need somebody on that can play on the wings. And boost us because I think Gabriel Jesus, when he gets back into pops into his form, will be good. I know everyone wants Tony, but I would love to get somebody like a Oisa from Brentford. I know it's not going to happen because Brentford's not going to sell him. I mean, in my opinion, I think he's very much affordable for you guys. But the, um, but the, well, the, you know, but Brentford need him. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, that's the thing. There's a. I also love Paqueta. I I love your boy Gallagher. Yeah. Um, but. I, I think that we need somebody to be able to rest Saka and Martinelli, and I'm having trouble thinking this late, but I know I've been impressed by Wiesel all season. Yeah. For me, uh, I'm going to go with, I think his first name is Santi, and his last name is Jimenez. He is a oh, from, from, PSV Eindhoven. Yeah. Uh, very young striker, but I think he is... Oh, he's good. Yeah, I think if you guys perch, if you were to buy him... I don't think there's going to be there's going to be obviously be pressure. He's, he's, he's from Mexico, right? Mexico, yep. Yeah, and they also have um, they have a, another our American guy over there, our, our guy we love. Oh, what's his name? Um, Ricky Ricardo. No. Ricardo Pepe. Ricardo Pepe. Yep. Who's Mexican American? And Serginho Des too, right? Isn't mm-hmm. he PSV? Jeez. Okay. All of our South, our, our North American yeah. friends. Yeah, they have a Concacaf <laughs> contingent there. But my reasoning is, is because I think if you bring him in, although of course there's going to be a lot of pressure on a young kid joining a big club like Arsenal, I think he's ready for it, and I think he will also provide a great option for Jesus and Inketia. Great pick, because I think he would not be the focal point. But he's like he, a true poacher in a sense. He was a true poacher, and he would bring something else to the team. I'm Size. going to be honest with you. I think that's a great pick. Appreciate I just know that Arsenal needs work. They need some help up front. Yeah. Both of those would probably add a lot of weapons to the team. Yeah, for sure. Um, where you want to head next? Liverpool, Spurs, City, or United? Let's head back to the league leaders of Liverpool. Um, I would say personally for me, my Christmas wish for them uh, is to personally get relegated. But in this circumstance... Ain't going to happen, brother. I know. Um, for me, I do think... They need um, another center defensive mid or some something in the midfield because with McAllister being out and his true position not being a CDM, I think they bring in a proper midfielder, and I think that guy is Manu Kone from uh, Baru- Munchen Gladbach, Gladbach mm. in the Bundesliga. They were linked with him in the summer for a little bit. I think it's time you bring in a player like him just to, again, provide you another body because... Endo is good, but he is not great. I think when McAllister comes back, Liverpool will be clicking. 
but I think uh, uh, Kone's yeah. a good body. And who got the love from the Arsenal game. Like, they were boosting him up, and I just didn't see it. Yeah. I listened to a Liverpool podcast on 1.5 Speed. And they were just like gushing on Endo and saying Saka was a dirty player, and I was kind of like, okay, like I just I don't know what I think Arsenal brought the wrong cleats or something yeah. because they were sloshing around in that game. Endo Endo's okay, it's just I don't think he's Liverpool quality. Well, I think he is is an option like there on Nenny or Jorginho. Yeah, he's not a starter. He's somebody that you can and I think bring that was their competent hand. I think that was their plan for yep. him, but now they're having to play him front, and he has moments of brilliance and competence but then he also has where you just see he gets like Zinchenko gets overwhelmed by his size because yeah. he's a smaller person on a against some of these giants who would be your uh pick if you were to pick any position i know it's late you know, but I, I would go with your uh, with gallagher from city because i or, nice. sorry chelsea because i know nice. the rumors are that they are going to sell him and i think that athleticism because i sent you a, a thing where they were comparing him to rice yeah oh, and i get God. the stats no no i get the stats and i think gallagher's a great player but it's the intangibles of Rice that put me above him. I don't see Gallagher saving you games or winning you games. I see him just being a hell of a good engine in the mid, in the, mid, in the center of that field. And you know what team really needs that go, go, go? Liverpool. That's what they're built on. I think that's an outstanding pick, especially with how pressing and high-line mm-hmm. Liverpool play. He is a machine it's when it comes to pressing. Stats monster, and he would fuel that team. And you can put McAllister in that CDM role till the end of the season and worry about, you know, pushing him up the field next summer. And that summer. way you don't burn your guys out because they do have good midfield, but they're stretched thin just like yep. Arsenal. Yep. They don't have a lot of depth, and I think Gallagher would bring them that depth so they have could have a plan 1A and 1B. That's a great pick. Uh, let's go I'm ahead tired, and- but I still have something in the bank. I just can only think Premier League right now. I, gotcha. I can't think internet or like other leagues. So. I was driving over here. I was like, "What are some picks?" So I, I got some time to think about it. But I, uh, I'm only able to. I'm only locked in Premier League right now. So I apologize, guys. Just like Reese is giving these amazing picks from the continent, <laughs> I'm just like, "Yeah, that guy from uh, Brighton would be great for them." <laughs> Reese would agree. Great. <laughs> let's let's go ahead and jump to uh, Spurs here, uh, Matt. I'll let you go first. Who do you think is a, a decent pickup for Spurs? They have a lot of injuries, a lot of key missing players. Who do you think can give them immediate help in the January window? Okay, I really think they need a central defender. Well done. Um, I'm trying to think of a person who would be good that they could get because, like, can I help they, you out? Yeah, go ahead. Give me give me a lifeline here. He's I, been he's been phased out by Ten Hag. He is a perennial Champions League winner. Oh, Ver, Ver. A World Cup winner, Rafael Varane. Um, On the Arsenal Vision podcast, they had talked about Varane as a possible loanee to Arsenal. Exactly. Thank you for catching me. That's a great pick because um, he, he would bolster any team he went into because uh, I don't think he would be required to perform at his top level. And I think as a loanee, he would put himself in the shop window to possibly get into a great team um, coming up in the transfer window. I'll see if I can come up with something on the spot here. But I agree with you that a central defender is heavily needed. Um, but I do also think also think they need another body in the midfield. I thought of Doug just like right before Lewis you Doug. spoke up. Yeah. <laughs> hey, not that big. He's no, I, like I said, I'm limited for Premier League and I'm doing it with my Rolodex. I was like, Doug really impressed me this season. And then you're like, let me give you a lifeline. Like, thank you, Reese, because I think Doug is going to get me laughed at. I want to travel all the way to Italy. Uh, I'm going to go with Fiacayo Tamori, former Chelsea player uh, for Milan, who has been outstanding since he signed with them. I think he has the speed and athleticism to fit in that Spurs high line with the way they play. Uh, but yeah, that's just for me. I think I think they definitely need a central defender as well. So we've covered Arsenal, we've covered Liverpool, we've covered Chelsea. That just leaves us with those Spurs, Manchester teams. And we are now into Manchester United. We'll save the best team for last, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, 
Manchester United, I think it's pretty obvious that they need help almost everywhere, but who do you think? I'll, I'll kick us off here. So I think there's two ways you can go with this. Uh, one, I look at the outside back position, especially specifically with left back. I think Dalo is a certified, you know, solid right right back, reliable left back. I'm going to give two, two picks here, honestly, because I do think they need some help. Left back, I'm going to go with someone you can not really afford, but I think maybe the Sir Jim money can roll in and we could see this. Alfonso Davies from Bayern Munich. Damn it, you got my plan. He he plays a lot for Bayern, so he's going to cost a hefty, hefty fee, but they have Guerrero as another option for Bayern to suffice for them for the end of the season. And I think Davies would be a huge game changer for that team. I think they could also, well, they have Erickson and they have Mount, but they're coming back. But right now, I think they need also need creative midfielder. I agree. I'm, I'm struggling to think of one. Um, that Who's that young gentleman? He's not as creative, but he's more of a striking midfielder. Uh, Matomo from Brent, uh, Brighton. So he's a left winger. Oh, left winger. Gotcha. Yeah. But, I mean, they do need some sort of creative help. Um, Does Anthony play in the left wing, or is that Garnacho? An- Anthony's right wing. Garnacho's usually a left winger, but he played right wing for this game. Rashford's the primary left winger. Well, then, I I know United fans love Rashford and we're defending him. He's been on a streak, and maybe Matomo could be give them back that weapon they had in their yeah. arsenal last season that performed above expectations now i don't want to double down on my picks here but i like i said i want to give them a second option and i think it's the one i pick for arsenal uh, i think i don't actually know i'm going to change it i think you go with a guy like Gurasi. now you may not have heard this guy he's a stuttgart striker he's had his best season ever he's 28 years oh, old my buddy Juan's family lives in stuttgart and they're stuttgart fans they were saying they didn't mention him by name but they're saying their striker's doing really well yep because they're in third right now in the bundesliga exceeding expectations in the bundesliga um this dude is insane i think he has 14 15 goals already in the season and you don't want to halt hoigland's uh, uh growth as a player and hoigland definitely needs to be a must start but i think if you're garasi and you're 28 years old and you want to compete for a starting position in a big six side in the premier league i don't think there's a better place to go to personally where I, may I where i can seize an opportunity with my competition i didn't have a question but before we get to city there's a player reina in um Borussia Dortmund, who's struggling for a move, which one of the Premier League teams do you think he would be? You can pick any one of the 20 teams right now, even Luton down there in the bottom if you want. If one of them wanted to pick up Reina, where do you think, which team would be the best fit for him? It has to be a team that already has enough bodies in the midfield because he has such a big injury history. But I think it's United. Uh, like you just said, with their create lackluster creativity right yeah. now, uh, I think that's definitely a body for them. Or Spurs without Madison, I think he'd be a great option. Because I like Garnacho, and I Anthony's grown on me. I see the purpose of him, and I like Hoyland. Rashford, I'm, I've never really been big on. I understand why England, England fans and yeah. United fans love him. But they just need some breath of fresh air and to get them created because Erickson, is, I think, is hurt. Well, and he's playing. He's playing. He's playing. He, okay. He's back. And Madison is hurt, though. Yeah. Eric, Madison's out. Uh, Mount is out. Uh, oh, we'll Mount. Back. Sorry, Mount. Yeah. yeah. Mount's out. Casemiro's out. They have a, they're missing bodies. So. Sorry, guys. I had a Diet Coke with dinner. I think the caffeine's leaving me. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, before we end yeah. it, let's jump to City. Um, it's hard to pick where they need help with because they're always good. But in this circumstance, uh, if they were to ask me what their weakness is, it's left back. Um, who is their left back? 
it's been Guardiol who is the one of the best center backs in the world. And be- well, they've been playing with four center backs, right? They basically exactly. So and the way they play is they play a lot of one on one defending, and 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 I don't think Guardiol, although he's left footed, should be held to that accountability against a pacey winger. I was I don't know how you'd find I can, I'll defer to you, but they um, who, shoot. Sorry guys, I am getting tired. Who's I'll, that? Who's that midfielder that when he's out they don't do well? Calvin Phillips? No, 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 no. You know what I'm talking about. When he was out, Arsenal beat him. Rodri. Yeah, yeah Rodri. Is there anyone who can fill that Rodri role? Definitely not freaking Calvin Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Calvin Phillips. I hope he gets his move to somebody, man. Yeah. He He's too good not to play, but he's not good enough for this team. I gotcha. So you're just specifically thinking towards a center yeah. defensive mid option? Yeah. I gotcha. I just don't know who they would get that would be available in January. Yeah. And they... Wouldn't put up the focus on them for um, financial fair play. Yeah. For me, I'm going to go with another left back that's not Alfonso Davies, even though Alfonso Davies would probably be crazy in this system. Uh, opposite side of Kyle Walker, that pace is insane. But I'm going to go with Theo Hernandez uh, from AC Milan, left back, French. He's going to cost you around 80 to $100 million easily because he just signed a new deal. But... Man, he is so good, and I think he is so underrated as a left back. I think outside of Grimaldo and and Alfonso Davies, he's probably the, one of the best left backs in the world. So um, on that note, uh, I just wanted to see who, who you were kind of leaning towards. Matt's yeah. getting tired, folks. I'm getting tired. Uh, Paco is in my lap, guys, and he is asleep, and he's putting me to sleep. <laughs> hey, but we've had another great episode. You have suppressed my bad day, uh, Matt, so thank you for inviting me over. Me too. Close us yeah. out, my friend. All right, guys, live long and watch some football, and there's a heck of a lot of it on. See you on the weekend.